Hello, and thank you for joining us on the Internet Watch Foundation podcast. I'm joined today by Professor Hani Farid, image analysis expert at the University of California at Berkeley, and our very own Mike Tunks, head of policy and public affairs at the IWF. Hi, guys. Thank you both for joining us. It's great to be here. We're going to be discussing a new report by Dr. Ian Levy and Crispin Robinson, respectively, the technical heads of the UK's National Cybersecurity Centre and GCHQ. The report has made headlines this week with suggestions tech companies should move ahead and technology with technology that scans for child uh, sexual abuse material, essentially on users' phones themselves. According to the report, there is no reason why client-side scanning cannot be implemented safely in a way which will retain privacy for users while protecting children from grooming offences and the spread of child sexual abuse material. Uh, Hani, now, for years, many companies have resisted scanning within end-to-end encrypted environments. How might this report change things? Yeah, so first of all, thanks to Ian and Crispin for really in a very careful and detailed way outlining what the issues are in a a nonpartisan way, if you will, in a very thoughtful way. Um, I think that there is a lot of noise around this issue, and I think we have to get to sort of the core issues, and I think they've done a terrific job of that. So I think that um, we have we have been made to believe that there is a false choice here, that either you have privacy or you have security, particularly security for kids. And I think that's a false choice. Um, and here is what I would point to to support that, which is that we routinely scan on our devices, on our email, on our cloud services for everything, including spam and malware and viruses and ransomware. And we do that willingly because it protects us. It protects our devices. And without that, without the ability, even within end-to-end encryption, to scan for harmful content to our devices, we would be dead in the water. And I don't think it is um, hyperbolic to say that if we are willing to protect ourselves, then we should be willing to protect the most vulnerable amongst us. Um, And it is the same basic core technology. And I reject those that say this is somehow giving something up. I would argue this is, in fact, exactly the balance that we should have in order to protect children online and protect our privacy and our rights. And I think Ian and Crispin have done a very good job of both outlining the issues, but also of talking about the technological, technological solutions that would find a, a path here for us. I mean, one of the big debates that it kind of gets into is this idea of client-side scanning. I mean, could you tell us a little bit about it and why it's such a hot potato? You know, why haven't companies, is there a reason people haven't been doing this already, do you think? Yeah. So first of all, it sounds scary, client-side scanning. And I would just emphasize, it is already happening in your end-to-end encrypted services. On WhatsApp, every single link that gets scanned gets analyzed to determine if it's malware. We are already doing this. And the term scanning is a little bit of a misnomer, right? So what we are talking about is highly targeted, highly specific analysis of already defined child sexual abuse material, right? Nobody is looking at your images and doing face recognition and then sending that information offline. Uh, nobody is looking at your text messages, inferring what you were talking about and sending that, that information elsewhere. So I think the reason we haven't done this is uh, a number of things. Uh, part of it is that there have been no incentives to do it for a lot of the companies. By the way, as a side note here, I reject the Facebooks of the world and the Instagrams of the world who say they don't do this because they care about your privacy. These companies' entire business model is invading your privacy. 
So for them to then turn around and say, well, your privacy is so important to us. Well, then I have a bridge I would like to sell you um, um, here because that is simply untrue. They don't do it because there has not been a financial incentive to do it. And there's been no public pressure to do it. And there's no there's been no government pressure to do it. So let's call it what it is. But we also can't turn a blind eye to the real harms that we are seeing on these services that are affecting tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids around the world. And I think we have to make a decision is who do we want to be as a society? So if these suggestions come to fruition and if big changes are afoot, what would it mean for people? What would it mean for your relationship with your with your phone, say? What would it mean for uh, for, for how you interact with, with your own personal technology? Yeah. So, look, everybody's going to answer this question differently, right? Um, I believe that if if somebody, if Apple comes to me and says, we want to put a technology on your phone that will protect hundreds of thousands, millions of kids around the world, I would say bring it. Um, and, and, and I think that is a terrific idea. And I think, by the way, the vast majority of citizens would say exactly the same thing. This is fantastic. I think there's a small number of people who feel very strongly about their individual rights um, are more important than anything else. And my answer to them is, well, then go get a different device. Um, you don't have a God-given right to an Apple or an Android phone. And if you don't like it, well, then don't use it. And I will also point out to the people who are so worried about their privacy is that the device that they carry around with them, with them 24 hours a day has a microphone. It has a camera. It has GPS tracker. They have loaded how many apps on this where you have no idea what those apps are really doing with your geolocation and your data. And suddenly they're concerned about Apple scanning for child sexual abuse material. It defies sensibility. If you are so worried about your privacy, you should burn the device that is in your pocket because that is the only thing that is going to protect you. Of course, client-side scanning would only be one of the many techniques needed in the future to provide future safety at any kind of scale. Uh, Hani, what, what else do you think we should be considering, companies should be considering yeah. to help stem the tide of online abuse? Good. So this is always going to be a moving target. So what, the, what we know about technology for the last 20 years is the technology moves very, very fast. All right. Every 12 to 16 months, we see phenomenal advances in technology, and we have all been the beneficiaries of that. But what we've also seen is that the abuses are not far behind. So everything from fraud, child sexual abuse, terrorism, disinformation, the sale of illegal drugs and weapons, the weaponization of technology follows the development of technology. And I think there is nothing wrong with saying at each moment in time, okay, how is technology being abused and how do we mitigate the harms? And so some people will say, well, that's a slippery slope. That is going to take you to a point where we have no privacy and no rights and we are giving up too much. And I, I reject that idea because in the offline world, this is exactly what we do. We develop new technologies, and then we figure out where are they safe and where are they unsafe. We mitigate the harms, and then we, we take advantage of, of the new things in our lives. And I don't think there's any reason to think why the electronic devices in our pockets should be any different. We have to have sensible conversations about what do these things do well, how are they being misused, address the misuse, balance everything, and find a path forward. And so somehow this idea that technology is inherently good, technology is inherently beneficial, is a false hope. This is what we have learned over the last 20 years, that this technology is being abused, and we have to address these abuses head on. Mike, 
Levy and Robinson now seem to want to introduce some pretty big changes, but why why is this so urgent? Can you can you give us some sort of idea of the scale of the the kind of threats facing children online today? Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm just going to pick up on really Hanny's previous point, um, which is that we know, and I think it's acknowledged within the paper, we know that technologies can be used for both very, very good purposes, but also they can be used to exploit and target children. Um, and I think, sadly, we've seen that in a reflection of our own data, over, particularly over the last year. Um, so 360,000 reports uh, sent into the IWF, 252,000, um, a record year confirmed as containing child sexual abuse imagery. We're talking, you know, mainly about young children in the 11 to 13 age range and young girls um, in particular being groomed and targeted in their in their own rooms um, and we've seen an, a simply you know an, an explosion in the amount of content that we're that we're removing from the internet we're also seeing young children and very young children the 0 to 2 age range suffering the most severe forms of abuse you can imagine as well so it's not just at this um, 11 to 13 age range but also very young children and that's really concerning it is a bit of a worry. Um, I mean, the paper is not UK government policy. It goes out of its way to say that, and neither is it intended to be a, a kind of a recipe for what governments should demand in the future. But it does say that it is clear that legislation can incentivize companies to develop technical solutions. Now, Mike, what impact do you think this is going to have when policymakers do return to Parliament in the autumn to discuss uh, the online safety bill here in the UK, for example? Thanks, Josh. I, th I think this is a, a really interesting area. So for the last few years, the government have been saying, you know, we want you to do more about tackling uh, child sexual abuse in end-to-end -end encrypted environments. A as we know, at the minute, there is no technology that can that can do that. But this paper sets out some ways in which that can be achieved. I think the other welcome thing that we've seen in the last couple of weeks is that the government have brought forward an amendment to the online safety bill, which says you don't just have to detect this stuff in an end-to-end -end encrypted environment there are a number of ways that you can do that and you must do that through using your best endeavors if you like i mean i th still think there's a bit of a question mark about what is a company's best endeavors but however i think it gives more options to companies for how they how they sort of pursue this how they protect children gives and, it, and is more technically possible so i'll be looking forward to seeing how that's debated um in in the final stages of the report stage um and then as it as the bill passes in into the house of lords but i think there's definitely more flexibility there and more of the art of the possible to be exploring some of these ideas but as you say josh this isn't government policy these are just suggestions about things that could be explored so last summer, uh, Apple floated the idea of using a feature called Neural Hash, uh, which sought to detect known child sexual abuse images uh, on the user's device uh, where the images are unencrypted. But there was quite a backlash, if you guys remember, I'm sure you do. And the plans have now been shelved. Uh, Hanny, in the light of this report and its findings, would you now encourage Apple to perhaps go back and revisit that decision? I would. And, and let me clarify two things. Uh, one is that the scanning happened on the Apple device when you went to sync your photos onto the iCloud. Right. So if you were not syncing your photos in the iCloud, your photos were your photos. 
But Apple said, if you are going to store those photos on our services, we reserve the right to say we do not want this horrific content. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable point. And they developed a technology that I thought was very thoughtful. That's number one. Number two is the pushback was from a relatively small number of privacy groups. I contend that the vast majority of people would have said, sure, this seems perfectly reasonable, but you had a relatively small but very vocal group that put a huge amount of pressure on Apple. Uh, and I think Apple somewhat cowardly succumbed to that pressure. I think they should have stood their ground and they should have said, this is the right thing to do and we're going to do it. And I, I'm a strong advocate of not just Apple doing this, but of Snap doing this, of Google doing this, and all the online services doing this, because it is technologically feasible. It is a thoughtful technology that preserves user privacy, um, and it respects the, the, the fact that we have a serious problem. As Mike was saying, uh, these are not just teenagers playing with their sexuality. These are incredibly young, from zero to two months old to three months old, being sexually assaulted. And I think we as a society have to say, not on our watch. And this is a technology that takes a step in the right direction. Do you think it'll happen looking into the tea leaves? So you reckon that uh, we'll see neural hash hashing I, coming back? Uh, here's, here's what I've learned over the last 20 years is that the companies act in their own interest and in some ways as they should. And there has to be external pressure. So the pressure can come from the public. It can come from NGOs like the IWF. It can come from advertisers. Um, none of that seems to have worked that well over the last 20 years. And I think what is left is for governments to step in and say, look, it's our responsibility to collect taxes from you and to keep you safe. <laughs> let's do the second part of that. <laughs> let's keep you safe. And so let's force these companies to be better citizens. And we have seen in the physical world that when companies step in, when the government step in and say, your products have to be safe, pharmaceuticals, food, uh, cars, uh, products that you bring into your home, well, we do better. And so I think the time is now, um, particularly with the online safety bill making its way through the UK government, um, with the DSA and the DMA making its way through Brussels, um, I think this is now the time uh, for the companies to say, we are going to do this, we're going to do it on our terms. And if they don't, then I think we have to step in with a, with a very heavy hand and insist that they do. Mike, Talking about privacy campaigns, uh, there are some worries in some quarters that there could be a real risk of mission creep where other types of images or conversations not related to child sexual abuse would also be detected, like um, journalists, campaigners that you know, are in the, in, the, in the wrong hands. This technology could be quite dangerous. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm going to go back to some of the points that, that Hanny made earlier, but I also think that they were really well set out in, in Ian's paper. So I think what Ian has done really, really well, um, Ian and Crispin have done really, really well, is to set out that there are pros and cons of using any sort of technology um, with, with, within this space. So what I would say is you look at from when you look at the paper, there's a number of things that are, are already being done by the companies. And this this has been taking place for, for many years. They've been extremely effective effective and they and they are you know part of the uh, already part of the toolkit that we're we're using to prevent and disrupt child sexual abuse material online and a lot of those um potential things that could go wrong with some of that technology just simply haven't come to fruition so i would say that you know we've been using it for for an, a, a very long length of time it has been effective and i think as hanny said um at, at the start you know the, the art of the possible is there no, nothing will ever be 100% foolproof, but 
I think we should be using this technology to um, protect children online. I don't know if Hanny wants to add anything to that. Yeah, let me add what, because Mike, I think you said that very well. Let, let me add, I wanted to reinforce something you said, because when we developed PhotoDNA with Microsoft back in 2008, so 14 years ago, we heard from the same groups complaining about client-side hashing within end-to-end encryption, that this was going to be the end of the internet as we know it, that there is going to be mission creep, that you are going to take content down um, that you're not supposed to. And it never happened. And Mike's absolutely right that those uh, alarmists were simply wrong. But um, Ian and Crispin also point out in the paper is that you can have mechanisms in place to audit what is being scanned. There should be transparency. We should be told there should be a mechanism for third party uh, uh, part for third parties to be able to go in and make sure that this technology is not being misused. But if you're going to take the line that a technology can be misused, well, then you got to turn off your spam filter. You've got to turn off all the cybersecurity filters because those same things could be misused. Once you say, I'm going to look at content to detect spam, well, then you could look at anything. So the slippery slope argument, I think, is a particularly lazy way to argue. And as Mike just said, is it has not actually come to fruition in the past over decade now. Well, honey, I mean, do, do, do ordinary users now need to worry about, you know, do, do they need to worry about their privacy? You've kind of addressed this already, but does this break the encryption that everybody thinks that they can take for granted on so many apps at the moment? <laughs> I would I would contend that they have to worry about their privacy in the same way they have to worry about their privacy with every other technology, right? They're being geolocated. They have a phone on their, they have a, a microphone on their on their phone. They have a camera on their phone. Uh, they have, how many apps have they downloaded where they have no idea what those apps are doing with their data or their location? So yes, they should worry about their privacy. But with respect to Apple, a trillion dollar company, putting a technology that we understand, that they are transparent about, that we know what it's doing, I would argue that is the least of your concerns on your device. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there, there are campaigners who say that, that definitely privacy for all users actually makes the internet a safer place for everyone and that um, you know, this would undermine it and children would be worse off as a result of that. Do you think the paper, I mean, and the paper is, it makes a, a convincing case, but are you convinced that these two things can live alongside each other now, that uh, it's not a case of one or the other, you know, this you mentioned earlier on, the kind of dichotomy? Yeah, I, I'm convinced that we can have both of these. and I And I disagree that bulletproof privacy for the worst actors on the internet is good for everybody. It's simply untrue. Um, and I will just point out too, is that if you are so concerned about your privacy, you have to get off the internet. I mean, really, because the fact is every web page you go to, every app you use, everywhere you go, you are being tracked. And so if you are so concerned about your privacy, then you have to, you have to literally leave the internet. So we have already agreed that we are willing to give up a certain amount of our privacy and our data in order to have access to these fantastic uh, devices. And so now the question is, how do we make everybody safe within that constraint? And I think that there is a path forward here. That's grand. Thank you. Well, thank you both very much for joining me. Uh, that's all from us today. But if you've enjoyed listening, please do check out our podcast series, Pixels from a Crime Scene, which you can find on the IWF website. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye from my guests, Hani Farid and Mike Tunks. And it's goodbye from me. Goodbye.